When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the U.S., but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Crips of the Corn Podcast. I am the great and powerful Mr. E. I am live action, high energy J. Yee, yee, yee. (laughs) And together, once again, you're listening to Crips of the Corn Podcast. All the people that came from the collab we did with Tony Merkel, uh, Joel Thomas, Eric, I'm not even going to try to say his last name. From from Uncomfortable. Yeah, from Uncomfortable. (laughs) Uh, thanks, you guys, for joining us. We seem to have a lot of you guys, so we do appreciate you guys hanging out. Everybody at home, just so you know, we have Facebook. We do giveaways and like live streams on. And Patreon. Yep, we have Patreon, which uh, you get extra episodes, fun topics. We give away tickets to events and stuff like that on there. Instagram. Yep, Instagram. We do giveaways and stuff like that. Our Instagram's gotten pretty big. Telegram. All right. Uh, we do have that, I guess. <laughs> for eight people that have it. But no, uh, so thank you guys for joining us. But yeah, so Patreon, all the links for all that stuff's below. Uh, ask one of our Patreon members on the Facebook page if they enjoy it. I think they do because they still give us money. For <laughs> yeah, good point. If anybody's interested in sponsoring the show, please let us know. Or running an ad on the show, please let us know. Uh, we got to like the product, though. That's the big deal. I like underwear. Yeah. What do you want? Like me undies on there or something? I tried those once. I actually do enjoy them. Well, there you go. Me undies, reach out. Yeah. Uh, today we have a monster from the deep deserts of Mongolia. Oh, well, that kind of just gave it away, didn't it? Uh, it could be. Uh, it could have gave it away. There's plenty of monsters in that area, actually. Okay. okay. A lot of dinosaurs. So today's topic is the Mongolian death worm. Oh, a classic. We've talked yeah. about it a lot, but this is the first time we've covered it. And yeah, it's, uh, I want to reach, I'm going to say which, you know, what, uh, sites we use for research in this Wikipedia. Uh, we use viewmongolia.com, which is kind of a neat one for one. We, we're going to go really into the area of Mongolia specifically. Uh, mysterious monsters, cryptozoological news, uh, mongobay.com, which is like another Mongolian website, you know, to mm. kind of for cultural stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a little bit of the cryptid wiki. I always use the cryptid wiki because it's not the best for 
like actual information, but it tells you like years that people went and looked for it. Mm, then gotcha. you can take that and look look it up somewhere else. Mm. So the looks of this creature, blood red, uh, about the you know two to three foot long most of the time. It looks like intestines is what most of the eyewitnesses say. It literally looks like camel intestines being pulled out of it. Like only two to three foot long. Yeah, it's not big. I always thought in my head it was something huge, like no. from Beetlejuice. No, and that's what a lot of people do. Or the uh, like, there's literally like uh, the worms from Dune. We'll get into later. Okay, are yeah, based yeah. off the Mongolian death worm. So people kind of get this image that they are monsters. Now they're mostly they're small. No, I didn't know that. It seems like a lot of the art too we've seen. It's always this big. The biggest one like I from account, Tremors. Yeah, the biggest one account I could find is seven foot long. Wow. But most of the sightings are two to three foot. Wow. Blood red, chunky. Uh, it has the ability to spit very corrosive yellow saliva, and it generates great electrical electricity blast. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and we'll get into those scientific abilities later. Hmm. Um, and it, it's very. This is a creature that's very small, but has a hodgepodge of instant death creating. So this saliva is supposed to, like, you just die. Is it like burning saliva or something? or what? It says corrosive yeah, in a lot of like the stories. Acid. But the actual Mongolian stories we're going to get into, they talk about it like you just kind of die. Oh, okay. Like you like just die. Like it's toxic almost. Like, yeah, like extremely. Like, mm-hmm. where, like you don't writhe in pain. You don't talk. Like the stuff touches you like and when, then you die. Like when you drink your dad's chew spit. Yeah. Instant, uh, instant death. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to instantly die. Um, so I'm going to get into, they have their abilities. I'll just run them off the top real quick. Cause it's kind of the Superman of cryptids. Oh, okay. Uh, they kind of have everything. And that just made me laugh when we were doing research. <laughs> I was just like, this worm, this worm literally. And, d- and we're well, going to get into why it's very, uh, holds a very high place in Mongolian folklore. Hmm. Uh, but it's armored hide. You can shoot him with arrows. Which every, I don't know if anybody knows this, but Mongolians are some of the best marksmen for arrow bowship. Off horseback, too. Yeah, in the world. But you can shoot this thing with an arrow, and they hide. It just bounces off. Hmm. Uh, Is it like armadillo armor? I, I don't think so. It's really weird. Tougher. We'll get into it. It's really weird. Okay. Uh, burrowing. They're incredibly fast burrowers. The electromagnetic disturbances are pulses. So basically, that's kind of like their final... They shoot off this big ball of electricity. Uh, very extremely powerful jaws. They've been seen gutting camels while the camels are still alive. Wow. Um, and then they're very, very venomous. Wow, okay. So it is a lot of ability, supernatural abilities almost. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty much you see when you just look the other way. We have plenty. It's weird how many people have seen this, especially modern-day people. Hmm. There's one guy we're going to talk about later. We have a whole section in this uh, the show for it where he just kind of looked at the thing. He's like, huh, that's odd, and kept going back to work. And then it left him alone? Yeah. Well, the, yeah. He was the monster in the scene. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a cool dude. Okay, I, I think I know who you're talking about. Uh, but what, let's talk about the Gobi Desert. Yeah, what about the Gobi Desert? Because the Gobi Desert is a big misnomer. When I say Gobi Desert, what do you? What comes to mind? Sand. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, no, I'm not I just, yeah, what yeah. comes to mind? A sand and uh, that song I told, or that story I told you off air about my teacher singing about. Yeah. Uh, so the Gobi Happy Desert <laughs> is not a lot of sand. There's actually swamps, grass, and we'll get into the actual the breakdowns. Hmm. Uh, it snows often in the Gobi. Okay. It's very weird for desert. So desert is a classification of uh, precipitation. Okay. Not the amount of available water actually in the system. Gotcha. So the Gobi Desert doesn't have a lot of precipitation. Okay. Uh, which is water coming from the sky. 
So it is technically a desert. Like you can go out. There's parts of the tundra that are considered deserts. Right. Yeah. And Antar- doesn't Antarctica considered yeah, a desert? It's a frozen too? desert. Yeah. Exactly. Even though there's water everywhere, it doesn't Just doesn't rain. Doesn't, doesn't rain. snow. Doesn't precipitate. Yeah. That's the word. So what is unique about the Gobi Desert? Let's start with this name. The Gobi actually means semi desert. Mm. Uh, the reason for this Gobi is rich in vegetation, supports many forms of plant life and wildlife. Is it? And I know it's in Mongolia, but is it also part of China and stuff too? Yeah. Like how big does it stretch? It, right, it runs the border. That was my next little thing. Oh, sorry. Jumping no, ahead. Okay. No, it's fine because that's that's a good question because it's kind of hard to put. It's half of Mongolia and like that whole Chinese border with Mongolia. Okay. Is the Gobi? Is that where the Great Wall is? Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, the Gobi is full of gigantic wetlands that are extremely hard to pass. Hmm. There are just like thousands of years of muck. So oh, it's, wonderful. It's just, it's really hard to pass. Uh, but the Gobi Desert is the largest, uh, sorry, the Mongolian Gobi is the largest as well as the coldest desert in Asia, in the fifth largest desert in the world. The Gobi Desert covers the southern part of Mongolia and uh, the northern part and the northwestern part of China. The Gobi Desert carries uh, covers an area of 1.3 million square kilometers. So that's like... 1.6 months, uh, million square miles. It's a, it's pretty big. Yeah, it's 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 very large. Uh, the elevation is approximately 1,500 meters above sea level. Uh, the Himalayas block the weather and starve this desert of rainfall from the mm. south. So that's why, okay. like our out west desert, you know, the Rockies block right the rain there. So that's the uh, the Himalayas are stopping the rainfall to here. The Mongolian desert's landscape is only a 5% sand cover. Okay, that's kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. So when like that's kind of the big one. It's like, well, how could anything survive out here? Well, there's we'll get into like the animals that are found out in the, uh, in the Gobi Desert. It's mm-hmm. crazy. There's tons of wildlife. Well, yeah, if there's only 5% sand cover. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, There are, are mountains, lush green valleys, random sand dunes, oasises, rivers, lakes, barren, uh, barren strips. Grassy steppes, muddy cliffs, filled with dinosaur fossils. Oh, that's awesome. So the Mongolian Desert is one of the greatest spots in the world. For dinosaur fossils? Yeah. Oh, sweet. It seems like it has a little bit of everything in this little it's a very biome. unique part. It's a very unique part of the world. The, Go- the Gobi Desert is one of the most unique deserts. Well, and Mongolia, isn't it what, like one of the really like harshest places to live too, right? Yeah, it's not very good. It's not very good for humans because yeah. it's so harshly. The weather systems are very extreme. And it gets really cold, and that's why the people there are like so tough. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, for people to survive there, it took a lot. They live off milk and and grit. Forty percent of Mongolians' territory is semi-desert, so that's so, more of these scrublands. Okay, isn't that like a barren steppe? I don't think they refer to Mongolia as that. Yeah, it's, even though they say barren steppe, they're grassland steps. Step, okay, grassland. Yeah, but if barren is as far as like it's hard to farm there. You can't like. Yeah, the, the soil is not very nutritious. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's yeah the things that are there are low nutrition plants. Okay. But there are plenty of animals. Uh, the Mongolian deserts weather and desert temperatures, um, and this is all in Celsius from their <clears throat> from their stuff. So figure it out at home. I'm not good with I it. I forget the conversion rate. Um, at its coldest. Uh, it reaches negative 38C. That's cold. Which is, what is that, like negative 10 Fahrenheit? Well, zero. No, Why don't you pull it up on your phone? More, more than that, I think, even. So, yeah, negative 38C. <clears throat> and as a, the hottest it gets is 42C. 
in the warmest part of the summer. Uh, so it's got very, it has very extreme temperatures. Jay's pulling it up on his phone real quick so we can know. That's negative twenty five point six degrees Fahrenheit. And what's forty two C? So negative twenty five degrees. It is one hundred seven. So it gets from one hundred seven to negative twenty five. It's like here. Yeah, kind of, but <laughs> it, it sticks around a lot. Longer. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Mongolian desert population there are roughly zero point three people per square mile. Uh, the Gobi Desert is one of the least populated areas where the nomads roam over the steppes. So the Gobi Desert is the least one of the least populated areas on the planet. Hmm. You know, excluding probably Antarctica. True, yeah. Does it rain in the Gobi Desert? It does rain in the Gobi Desert. The Gobi Desert approximately receives seven inches of rainfall a year. It rained more than regular in the year of 2018, which revealed many dinosaur fossils. That's awesome. They had a really good year of like 12 inches of rain. Really? Yeah, 12 inches, that's yeah. it. Yeah. No, it, it did rain. It rained weirdly heavily that year. Uh, we'll get into the whole thing with dinosaur fossils. It's kind of crazy. What do you mean? W- for Mongolia and the dinosaurs. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, wonder why it rained so much in 2018. It was just a weird year for everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, stargazing in blue skies. So the Mongolian desert, the Gobi Desert, is one of the best places on the planet to go stargazing. Oh, then I need to go. It's one of the least light polluted places on the planet. Oh, I need bucket list. And I've seen pictures and you know, it's still just a picture. Yeah. But it looks just it look didn't look real. Ain't it crazy like if you go back like a thousand years, everywhere would have been like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean Abraham Lincoln used to write about stargazing in his backyard. That's, ain't that nuts. Now uh, we just have lights everywhere. Yeah, he said everything. His famous quote is uh, I can see how a man can look at the sky or look at the earth and think there's no God, but I don't understand how a man can look up at the heavens and think the same. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But now, it's a little different. It's not quite the same. No, yeah. Um, the main picture of the Gobi Desert is a flat-stepped edge with a horizon. Uh, so basically, there's spots where it's like you can look 360 degrees around the planet. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. There's nothing blocking you. Right, exactly. It's like these steps are extremely flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gobi Desert inside there. So there's Gobi Deserts inside the Gobi Desert, uh, which means like so there's 33 arid desert coverings, this vast area of the Gobi Desert. So there's like 33 mini deserts. Gotcha. Uh, the whole area is a semi desert, but there's actual deserts in these little areas, which they're not little. They're very big right. little spots. I don't know. It's like it's making me think of you know on SpongeBob at the bottom of the ocean when he goes to the Goo Lagoon. Mm-hmm. It's like the water in the water. So it's it's so weird. Like if you look at like pictures of Mongolia in the Gobi Desert, yeah, it's crazy. Like there can be like wetlands, like pristine wetlands in the middle of this desert, mm-hmm. and it's like what's going on? And it's just because it's where all the water settles from the sand around it. Ah, gotcha. Okay. And you have these giant grassland steps. You have literally like sand dunes that are covered in grass. So they stop moving. Yeah. It's 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 so mm-hmm. weird. The Gobi Desert is a really unique place with some unique monsters. I promise we'll get into. I know that's a lot of science up front, but the Gobi Desert had such, when doing the research, it, it's not what it seems. So I think that's really important for the monster. Right, yeah. Um, Gobi Desert animals, so this is a big one, uh, is home to many different types of animals, gazelles, ibexes, wild sheeps, aguri, deer, jerboas, wolves, foxes, uh, several species of fox, porcelain cats, polecats, golden eagles, sand provos, sand grouse, and... Uh, you see these animals all the time while traveling. Along with the Gobi Desert, there's endangered uh, still existing species like the black-tailed gazelle, 
the Havagut, uh, wild camels, wild asses, Gobi bear, Mazarella. It's a bear. It's like a brown bear out there. Oh, okay. Yeah, don't look Snow at me. Snow leopards and wild horses. Ooh. There's big cats, bears, and bears literally, living out in the desert. Literally, like, almost all the, like, tons of animals. I'm not all of them, but. It's it's crazy. Like, there's apex predators out there. There's yeah. snow leopards. There are, there's some points there may have been tigers and lions there. Oh, wow. Uh, and the Mongolians maybe have wiped them out, which like makes Kong. sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Genghis Khan probably did not like lions eating his men. <laughs> probably not. Any salamanders, though? Not a lot, because uh, mm. there's sand. Well, yeah, but you know, there's little pools. Mongolia does have salamanders, just on the other side of Mongolia. Mm, okay. Ambiostomas? No. no it's just, only a U.S. thing. I just like saying that. It's my favorite salamander to talk about. They have salamander, salamander, salamander right above them. Oh, That's okay. where mine are from, is in Russia. Oh, nice. Above okay. Mongolia. Yeah. Interesting. That's where their genes are from, at least. Uh, Mongolian desert plants. There are tons of plants. Uh, they uh, a bunch of these plants are extreme survival like survival files. So literally, when they after they don't get rain for so long, they just drop all their leaves. Gotcha. And they look dead. Yeah. So you can have these whole vast forest in Mongolian desert that look dead, and then it rains for like a millisecond, and yeah. it, they, they boom back to life. Yeah. These leaves will literally have like casings over them, so like they can hatch. Uh, not hatch. That's not the right word. They can bloom. In like hours, I get it. Yeah, it's crazy. Like you can walk through a dead forest and come back in two hours, and it's completely green. That'd be nuts. Uh, there are barren steps in, uh, that lead to flower steps. Okay, so these steps are kind of like imagine like a staircase, just wider. Well, yeah. So it's kind of hard to it's it's hard to reason, but big well, flat plains that are kind of off of each other. So some it. of these barren steps will be like desert, and then you'll take a step down, and you're in these giant fields of flowers. Hmm. It's like a, it sounds like a little magical place. It really is, and I think it's uh, it's hostility, is why it's still around. It's like the outback of Australia. Yeah, one of the you know the less untouched. What's well, like, ha- the Australian rainforest is one of the best untouched rainforests because everything will kill you. There are so many species. We cover that in our uh, which episode it was. Megalania. Yeah, there we go. We covered it. But yeah, I didn't even know that was there. Yeah. The biggest rainforest in the world that's untouched is in Australia because it literally there's so many things that don't have anti venom mm-hmm. that nobody wants to go there. And that's the same place with this Gobi Desert or yes, yeah, the Mongolia. weather will kill you here. Yeah, the weather is extremely moody. Gonna be very hard to develop anything there. It gets so cold at night, mm-hmm. like, and you know you kind of have that trope with the like Death Valley and stuff where it's hot, super hot during the day, mm-hmm. which they don't get extremely hot. 107, don't get me wrong, is hot, but I think Death Valley gets like 150. Is it 150 or 130 or something? Like that. I think it was like 156 was the highest I ever got. Like Jeez. tortoises were exploding. Oh my gosh! Uh, they, literally, they were boiling inside their shells. Oh my gosh! In the shade. Oh, that's crazy. So, this doesn't get like that. Right? No, not at all. 107 is hot, but it's not terrible. It, but it snows. It, well, it doesn't snow. It frosts on the ground like super hard. So it's mm-hmm. hard to sleep on the ground. Hmm. Uh, their yurt style housing is de- de- literally developed to combat that. Interesting. I want a yurt so bad. Yeah, yeah, I like yurts. The Gobi Desert Bear. Uh, yeah, so they have a bear. There are less than 30 of them left. Oh. The uh, they've had a rough run of it. Well, I bet. <laughs> uh, but they're, they're, the Gobi Desert does support bears, and it's not they're not going extinct due to the uh, 
Gobi Desert not supporting them. Is it the people? Yes, the people. Mm. They hunt. Do yeah. they eat him or something? No. Or what? They are scared of the bear. Okay. Are they big? Are they like yeah, black they're, bears? They're, yeah, they're brown bears. Okay, this is the big brown bears. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They're golden bears, technically. So nice. they're like blonde brown bears. We need to get some over here and just start, you know, repopulating. Problem is, there's only 30 of them. So it's yeah, like, you take Good one, that's a. It's a big chunk of the yeah. population. Um, the Gobi Desert has uh, mountains in it. It's weird. Literally, the Gobi Desert has everything in it. It's like California. Yeah. So basically, though, I told you all this stuff. I know I don't even know how long I've been talking about the Gobi Desert, but I told you all this stuff to really highlight these three points or these two points is that there are high levels of moisture in the soil of the Gobi Desert, hmm. which is very odd for a desert. Does it just retain moisture really well, I'm guessing? It has to. It, there's a bunch of water flowing through. Okay. So there's not like a lot of rainfall, which makes it a desert, but the sand and everything, there's like underground rivers and stuff that are relatively close to the surface. Oh, wow. And But there's plenty of rivers and lakes in the desert. Hmm. And so you have a bunch of water available. So it's groundwater. Yeah, the ground is moist. Okay. Which is a big deal. We're going to talk about a burrowing animal of why it may, you know, exist in the way it exists. Hmm. But there are swamps and water that can be found on the desert surface, as well as grasslands and small woody forest. So there's not there's a plethora of habitat that's not desert. Desert's right. kind of the odd man out in the desert. Right, which is weird to say. Yeah, and what'd you say at the beginning? Five percent it's only sand. It's only five percent sand. Yeah, it's weird. The For whole a desert, desert, yeah. Is only five percent sand. It's mostly uh shrubland and grassland. Hmm. Okay. But I think it's ten percent swamp. Oh wow. There's more swamp than sand, sand in the desert. Yeah, that only makes sense. Yeah, there are t- tons and tons of frog there are tons of amphibian species. Salamanders are not the one. Uh, just due to their breeding cycles, you know, they're a little more restricted than frogs and toads, but there's tons of frogs. Yeah. Uh, I know that's a big, I think they eat a lot of them. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a lot of burrowing frogs. That's good protein. Well, especially if you're a burrowing animal. Oh, okay. Hint, hint. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the history behind the Mongolian deathworm. All right, let's get to the worm. Get to the worm. This two to three foot long worm that I thought was like a I know. 12 foot monster from Tremors that would like engulf you no uh it will kill you it, it kills yeah. people very easily i'm i literally had tremors in mind you know you've seen that movie, yeah right? oh yeah i love tremors oh, it's yeah. one of my favorite movies it's a great movie but i didn't know it was the size of the monsters from the second tremors movie with the ones with the legs no it's even smaller than those yeah exactly <laughs> it's uh, the tongue of the uh the graboid is oh, like the, what you're talking about yeah. when you talk about the mongolian death worm that's crazy uh so mongolian nomads believe a giant worm covers its prey with an acidic substance that turns everything it touches into a corroded yellow color. Ooh, so it is like acid. Legend says that this creature begins its attack when it raises half of its body out of the sand and starts to inflate until it explodes. Oh my gosh. Releasing a lethal poison all over the unfortunate victim. So before I go any further, this is a weird picture. And yeah. I've seen drawings of this uh, that the uh, uh, Mongolian nomads have drawn. Yeah. And it literally, like, the front part of its body, like, it looks at you. I I don't know if this is a hunting thing. This seems more like a defense thing to me, personally. We'll mm-hmm. get into speculative biology at the end. But where it lifts up a part of its body, they assume it's the head. The head and the tail look the same. Yeah. How are you, how you going to distinguish? So, and it puffs up like a puffer fish. and explodes, and it hits you with this black or yellow slime does that it, just burns like battery acid. Does it kill itself by doing that? Well, let's, let's get into it. But I'm just saying... Well, it just makes me think of the movie Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen mm-hmm. that movie. There was a guy, there's, 
I won't get in the story, but there's a guy that does that. He just gets really angry and he swells up really big and he just <laughs> explodes. So this poison is so venomous because it seems like it gets into the bloodstream hmm. uh, that prey dies instantaneously. Would that be toxic? Yeah. So yeah. it's all toxic. Gotcha. Okay. Toxic is kind of like the overarching thing. Not poison, toxic. Yeah. And I do think it is venom more than poison, which we'll get into later. Yeah. It seems to have venom it, qualities. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Neurotoxins. There you go. Livestock and humans are supposed to be its main prey source. Uh, because the Mongolian or the Mongolians have had been under Soviet control until 1990, we know very little about the death worm in the West. Uh, so basically, it I can't remember what year it became under Soviet control, but there was a whole chunk where we had a bunch of early explorers in like the 20s and 30s mm-hmm. uh, seeing the Mongolian death worms and talking to natives about them. Then there was the Soviet control, and then the 90s is when we got back in there. Mm, interesting. So, what? That just, it took, there's that big of a gap, you know, yeah. between it. Because I, I don't know, it is weird how we don't, we don't know a whole lot about the world around us, or the whole world in general. You know, like, locally about your stuff like that, but everything else in the world like this, like, I knew about this creature. I've known about it for, ever since we started doing this show, this was one of the first things we ever talked about. I still had the image, in my, even though I knew about it, I still had the image in my head, this is a giant freaking worm. And it, I was, I've been wrong this whole time, but... And even the Scooby-Doo one, it's a giant worm. Really? When they do the Mongolia, they do a race over Mongolia, which we'll get into that later. Mongolia is also famous for doing giant like desert races. Really? Yeah. For it's like dune buggy races or oh, dune like bike that. races. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking like a horseback or foot races or something. I don't know. No, like like uh, motorized vehicle races. Hmm. It got really big in the 90s and it's still really big over there. That's kind of cool. Mongolia. I wonder how that started. It's uh well it started in Death Valley. That's a really popular thing. Mm-hmm. But this is like the harshest desert in the world for humans. Mm-hmm. So it's like oh well, we you know it's let's just drive on a it. human thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and but those people have seen Mongolian deathworms. So we'll get into some accounts and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, a dirt bike rider supposedly was killed by one. Oh okay. Or he had a heart attack. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah. So in recent years, investigators have been able to look for evidence of this creature's existence. Ivan uh, Mackerel, I'm going to go with, is one of the leading investigators of the Loch Ness Monster and the Loch Ness Monster Detectives. Uh, so he's one of the lead guys out of that. Like, There's a group called the Loch Ness Monster Detectives. Mm-hmm. He's like one of the main guys in that group, but he's went and looked for it. Are they like well, cryptid hunters? Basically. Okay. Uh, and he studied this and interviewed many Mongolian people about the worm. Due to the sheer volume of sightings and strange deaths... He had to come to the conclusion the Mongolian deathworm is more than just a legend. Mm-hmm. This has a lot. This has a high kill count, but the weird thing is, is it seems to only kill camels for food. Okay, and it kills people to kill. I I think it's more of a defense thing, personally. Okay, I think they step on it. Yeah, it's like rattlesnakes here in the U.S. Okay, gotcha. Where you the rattlesnake's not evil. No, but if you step on it or get in its territory, yeah, I mean, yeah, it will defend itself. It, it thinks it's defending itself. But really, you know, it's just one of those kind of things. It's like copperheads, rattlesnakes here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of sneaky qualities with the Mongolian death room, but there's a lot of non-snaky qualities. Oh, snaky. I thought you said sneaky. No, snaky. Okay. Where it kind of seems like some of these stories will make it seem like it's a snake, and others it is not a snake. Um, Do snakes burrow and dig in the ground? We will talk about that. Okay. I want to talk about it now. <laughs> well, no. That's for the end. <laughs> okay. So I have modern sightings-ish. I have a list of, I think I have 10 here for you. Mm. Um. I, or how do you say this name? All right. 
Alyssa Sue. Alyssa Sue uh, from uh, Mysterious Monsters okay. wrote this article for us. So I'm using her article. Uh, but she has she's kind of like blocked up little 10 sightings that have been seen. Uh, the first sighting of this deadly worm dates back to 1927 when American paleontologist Roy Champion Andrews first saw the tail of the worm. He didn't believe it had a tail and further research to know about it. Uh, he didn't know what it was. Um, and locals who described the creature as the Angolii Kabaruhi, or the intestine worm. Okay. Is uh, that like its uh, Latin name? I, no, that's its Mongolian name. Oh, okay. Uh, so it used to be called the intestine worm before it was the death worm. Okay. That's how it translates. And we're going to talk more about Roy later. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's that's our Indiana Jones, right? Yeah, he's who Indiana Jones was based off of. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, he's very much an Old West paleontologist, gunslinger kind of dude. With a whip. Uh, he didn't have a whip. He just oh, would shoot you. Darn it. Uh, don't mess with his bones. <laughs> because this during the bone, or this after the bone wars, but mm-hmm. the bone wars were shaped him heavily. Oh, okay. This, these paleontologists were blowing each other's like <laughs> dinosaur discoveries up. Yeah. Either he's saying each other's brains out or something. No, they were, kill- <laughs> they, were they were killing each other's assistants and stuff. It, bone wars are crazy. We should do an episode on the bone wars. Bone wars, okay. Um, the second one, it is believed that they live deep in the Gobi Desert and hence cannot be viewed very easily. However, locals in the Gobi Desert have uh, of the interior of the desert. So they have sighted this red creature and looks like intestines. So that's kind of just a general thing mm-hmm. that when you get into the the people that live in the desert, pretty much every one of them has seen it. Yeah. It's not like, it's very weird. If you live out there, you've seen it. So a lot of these paleontologists we're going to talk about, there's like, so it's been seen by paleontologists several times. And the reason is, in my opinion, they're spending months out there. Mm-hmm. You know, unlike these tourists that are going through for a week. Right. Yeah. And they don't see it. And they're like, that doesn't exist. These guys are digging in the dirt for months, if not a year or more. You got to spend time in an environment right. to really see everything, especially something that's hidden. And when we get, we'll get into Roy's encounter fully, but it was just kind of like he's seen it twice. Yeah, and he was there for three years. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez, okay, yeah, that's plenty so, long. You think that's plenty long enough? Yeah, so they're not, they're rare, but not like it is. It is like the same thing, you know. People talking about Bigfoot here. It's. I think it's even more. I'm thinking about big cats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even like that. I know people that live in areas like Colorado. Mm-hmm. They have tons of mountain lion. And they've you know they've been there for ten years and seen them twice. Right, exactly. And they know they you know, they can look at the tracker map and they know there's thirteen of them on their mountain. Mm-hmm. But you never see them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, people go out and like, oh, Bigfoot's not real. I've never I've been out in the woods all the time. I go out there hunting once, you know, for a week. Yeah, every yeah, year. Yeah, that the hunter the hunter one makes me the most mad. Yeah, I mean, you barely see the deer you want to find. Right, <laughs> and they're freaking every overpopulated everywhere. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, just think of like black bears in Ohio. Like it's I don't know it's weird it's me I agree a hundred percent it's just you know I never thought about that though about the deer thing they're literally overpopulated here like look way. how hard they are to see yeah and you're sitting there waiting for them and you just hope one walks in front of you mm-hmm. or around you yeah another expedition was conducted between 1946 and 1949 where they were deep inside uh, to find out the existence of the Mongolian death worm so they went deep inside the the, the desert itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, a worm and compared their own sightings with ones described by locals. Yuri Ovila mentioned that he'd witnessed the creature. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of, they keep looking for it and you keep mind, they keep looking in the desert parts. Yeah, the sand, which is how much percent again? Five. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it lives there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think it lives on the borders of the environments. Mm-hmm. Easily burrow, burrowable yeah. soil. Yeah, so I don't think it's actually out in the desert desert. But so in the late 1990s, uh, or the late 90s, sorry, 
Ivan Merkel conducted many expeditions in the Gobi Desert in hopes of getting a glance at this deadly worm after listening to so many stories about it. Uh, his expedition set up a good example of uh, where something positive were found. Basically, uh, they had some results. They like had burrows. I think each. Hmm. I think they'd. I can't remember if they'd seen it a couple times. They couldn't catch it. Um, the rarest animal, one of the rarest mammals in the world, lives out in the Mongolian desert. It's an armored fairy mole. Oh, okay. It looks like an armadillo, but it's, it's pink. But it's mole sized. It, yeah. So they make these boxes where they fall in, like so they're digging. They basically fall into these boxes. Yeah. They tried to do that with the Mongolian death worm several times, and they haven't caught one yet. But mm. I do think it's a good way to catch a burrowing animal. Well, yeah. Um, or you, you just get my dog out there because she digs up. Well, moles no, you're not of, for the Mongolian death worm. She digs up moles all the time. Uh, it was in number five. It was reported that uh, from time it lives underground. However, in June and July, when it rains, it comes to the surface. Many locals have seen Mongolian death worms during this time. They believe that it can give off electrical shocks to somebody who's nearby. Uh, so yeah, when it, June and July is probably the best time to go looking for it when the rainy season because mm-hmm. it's supposed to just lay out. What makes sense? I mean, what happens here when it rains? Yeah. What's the road covered in? I mean, worms, salamanders, all, reptiles. <laughs> all sorts of stuff. It just, I mean, we like it. I mean, when it's warm rain for us, but mm-hmm. you know. I, I uh, Now I'm getting tangent right here, but I think you know the answer. Now, when you see birds, like tons of birds out in your yard, and do they really like stomp their feet to imitate rainfall so worms pop up to the surface and they eat them? I don't think so. You don't, Is that a myth? Have you I've, heard that before? I heard it, but I've never looked into it. Yeah. So if I'm wrong, I'm, I'll, I'll apologize right now. Uh, I think that's a myth. I mean, because I just thought of that. What if you did really want to find this thing, and you just get like a, a basically a big machine out there that just like taps the ground, you know, a lot. Okay, so you're jumping ahead again. Okay, sorry. Because somebody did that. Oh, oh shoot. Okay. Well, dang it. I thought I had a great no, idea. It, it is a great idea. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, so we're getting to Dune later. You, you know, Dune. The books I, and uh, the I know, movies. I know what they are, but I've never seen them. But I know what it is. So they're giant worms that live in the, on a desert planet, Arrakis. Okay. And they use, they use these like little sound um, like umpers that attract them. Hmm. To draw them up. Yeah. Okay. And so I we'll get into it later, but they yeah. do that here. Well, and, and then not to go back to tremors again, didn't they use like, it was it electricity they were attracted to or electromagnet like um, no, they, fields, electromagnetic fields? In Dune? No, no, no. In Tremors. Because uh, they didn't, I don't gosh, think they used. Sound, no. They did use vibrations like the when adults they ran, use vibrations. But remember, they were driving around. They would come up and eat like the batteries out of their cars and stuff like that. And yeah. they drive a little remote control cars around with batteries on to distract them. Yeah. So yeah, electric electric fields. Yeah. Okay. Another famous story is among the nomads was once a young boy was followed by a worm near his house. Uh, his dead body was found. It is believed that he died when he touched the worm. It looking at the tail of it sticking in the sand, and his family went looking for revenge from the animal, uh, but they also did not return. Hmm. So it's kind of a weird story. It doesn't translate well. Yeah. So basically, this boy sees this worm, and it's just kind of laying out. Uh, he sees its tail sticking out. Yeah. And I have a little illustration of what, like, it, you know, it has a, like a little fluff on its tail, and which a lot of invertebrates do have that. It's breathing tubes. Hmm. Especially oh. aquatic invertebrates. Okay. Um. So he touches it, and he dies, just drops dead. Uh, and then his parents go out, because they're like, oh, we're going to kill this thing, and then they don't come back. It almost sounds like a folklore like warning tale to just get people to not do it. Yes. Whether it's real or not. It just That's kind of what it's more of it seems like. Oh, there's plenty of don't touch the thing yeah. folklore. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, 
which, yeah, we'll get it to. So in 2005, Richard Freeman, a cryptozoologist conducting an expedition to find out whether these uh, the existence of Mongolian earthworm is real, they found out that a whole village was shifted from its position when the villagers heard about a sighting of the venomous animal. Wow. Uh, they picked up and left. Which isn't that surprising because I'm pretty sure uh, they're known to do that there. They're, like they're the nomadic. They're nomadic, are, yeah. yes. So okay. that's, it's not that big a deal. It's not like Ada or its town moved. Right, yeah. Because somebody's seen a worm. Their houses are like But they left mobile. early. Yeah, exactly, yeah. They're like, all right, well, it's time to move on because it was seen like on the gates of the village. Mm, okay. It wasn't like out in the desert. It yeah. was like near their house or mm-hmm. near their, their homes. It's moving in. Um, at number eight, there was uh, sightings of Mongolian death worm during 2013. And even caught on camera. However, people would believe that it's just a normal worm and not the weird word they say for the Mongolia death worm. Yeah, yeah. That did not have the red color. And he- here's the picture. I see it. Uh, that is not a Mongolian death worm. It is 100% a hoax, but that is a real animal. What is it? It is a legless lizard from South America. Uh-huh. And a bright yellow. Uh-huh. In the picture. I know it's black and white, but they were it is bright yellow in the picture. Yeah. But it's a type of legless lizard. Mm, interesting. Uh, which... I've seen those. Those are really neat. Yeah, they but, look just like snakes. Yeah, this one is more chunky. This one definitely more worm-like. A fat one, yeah. And then there's stuff like Sicilians, which are in South America, too, which look like snakes, which are actually amphibians with glass teeth. Gla- yeah, that's so cool. During the 19th century, it is said that there were more sightings of this venomous worm uh, that looks like cow intestines, differing being from it killing, uh, or definitely from it being killed, uh, sorry, differencing that it's been killing other living things. Most local nomads who used to go in the deep western Gobi Desert have seen this intestine lake worm. So this one's killing cows, so it's a little different. Yeah. Uh, I, I like how it says the difference. The difference between cow intestines and this thing is that it kills other animals. Like, uh, yeah, it's kind of a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen too many cow intestines growing around killing things. Yeah. Unless they lasted it around their neck. I don't know. Maybe. But I don't think the intestines would be doing that. So the next one is during uh, or one expedition by Freeman. So he came back again. He, I think he did three expeditions. We'll go into the expeditions more later. Uh, but he, uh, he came back. His local interpreter told of an incident that happened to another team of expeditioners that were traveling to Sunji's home village. One of them was poking in the sand, which seems like such a bad idea <laughs> yeah. to do in the Mongolian desert. Uh, with an iron, So he's poking in the sand with an iron rod, and then he suddenly feels something off. So you know how... It's maybe a hard thing to explain to because we have a lot of international listeners now. Uh, when we go ice fishing, we take a thing called a spud bar, and I, I whack it in front of the, uh, on the ice in front of us as we walk to check for safety. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of doing that. So he was poking in the sand with this bar, this iron rod, to make sure there's no Mongolian deathworm in front of him. Yeah. And then he hit something. Uh, it, so he hit something. Upon reaching him, he was found dead. The others felt a sudden shake in the ground. And saw something rounding, uh, coming towards them in the sand. They ran for their lives. Yeah. So basically, he hit one and he died. Hmm. You think that's what it was, though? Why? Well, so electrical shock powers. He hit it with oh, an iron rod. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So we'll get into that. Huh. Uh, but he hit it pretty hard. Yeah. Huh. So enough to make it mad. Yeah. Well, that's. I didn't even think about the electricity part. Mm-hmm. I guess that would drop you. Oh, yeah. No, he died. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's all the, the kind of modern sighting. And we're going to end the hunts for the creature. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so what do you think? Like, a lot of these sightings are very folkloric to me, where they're like, ah, don't touch it, you'll die. 
Yeah. Very warning stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. A yeah. few of them, but some of them seem like very, like, real accounts, yeah, no, too. I'm not saying there's not a real creature. Definitely not saying yes. that, because uh, there's very credible eyewitnesses, For not sure. just locals. I'm For not sure. saying anything against locals. But when we do this, it's really hard to look up folklore mm-hmm. versus real animal. Uh, yep, I agree. And this seems to definitely have heavy in, er, foots in both fields. For sure. It's very folkloric. It, this monster has incredible powers, but it's seen constantly. It yeah. hurts people. It really does. It and does it has a reputation. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just the boogeyman. Right, exactly, yeah. Uh, there's something really there. Mm-hmm. Uh, already, before we even get to the inner thing, I 100% believe this is a real thing. Yeah, I know. Me too. Like 100%. So, yeah, it's, it, it exists. Yeah. Uh, there's, I, now we'll get into how, what their population may be like. Right. Uh, so we're going to talk Roy Chapman Andrews. I'm okay. just going to call him Roy from now on. So Roy, He's a.k.a. A, Indiana Jones. He is literally the man Indiana Jones was patterned, patterned off of. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's crazy. Like he is very much Indiana Jones, uh, but he carries a gun. Uh, he will kill you for his dinosaur bones. Yeah, is that all he? He was just a. He's a paleontologist, just looking for dinosaur bones, or like, or do they really look for anything? That's oh no, no, no. So pale- yeah, he's he's famous for dinosaurs. Yeah. You go to Mongolia for dinosaurs, not mammals, or so pottery, no, or no. <laughs> well, no, that's an archaeologist then. Okay. So what? So, yeah, what is the main difference between archaeology and paleontology? People. So Archaeology are looking at people. Paleontology is looking at everything else. Fauna, flora yeah. and fauna. Yeah. Okay. Environmental stuff. Yeah. And then uh, archaeologists are looking at people. Pe- traces of people. Mm-hmm. And Okay. Okay. So in, the 19, in 1920, Andrews began planning his expedition for Mongolia and drove a fleet of Dodge cars westwards from Peking. In 1922, the party discovered a fossil of this gigantic dinosaur. I'm not even going to try to say its name. <laughs> or it's not a dinosaur, sorry. It was an indi- it's Indigotherium, uh, which is a giant hornless rhino. Oh, cool. So he discovered a giant hornless rhino, uh, which was sent back to the museum, arriving December 19th. The fossil specimen, Androsochius, was named after him. So somebody else, so it's kind of a weird thing with naming stuff after yourself. He did not name it. He found it. It's like, this is an Indotherium uh, cousin. I'm going to send it back. And then the museum named it after him. Oh, named after Roy? Yeah, he took a fleet of Dodge cars just okay. out into the desert. Yeah. He was like, can you imagine seeing that? This is 1920s, okay? Cars are relatively new. Yeah, I wonder what that looked like. And you just see all these old, Di- are these awesome old power cars just taking off through the desert yeah. going to hunt dinosaur bones. That's pretty awesome. His, this man is like one of the cool ones. I didn't know Dodge was even around back then. Mm-hmm. Interesting, okay. Uh, so Andrews, along with Henry Fieldman Osborne, was prompted out of the uh, out of Asia theory for human or humanity's origins and led to several expeditions in Asia from 1922 to 1928, known as the Central Asianic Expeditions, to search for the earliest human remains in Asia. So he's definitely looking for people. He's looking for the origins of human. Mm, okay. And this is way before most other people were doing this. Yes. Uh, this expedition did not find any human remains, however. Andrew and his team have made many other finds, including dinosaur bones, fossilized mammals, and first nest full of dinosaur eggs that were ever discovered. Oh. He was the one that found the first nest of hadrosaur eggs. That's awesome. Um, so Andrews is really big in the field of paleontology. Like, were they like fossil, like fossilized eggs, like they were turned to stone? Like, yeah, kind of, okay, yeah. So, but he found the nest still. Right. Yeah. He found it. It's like a, it was a giant mud flat that basically got covered in a like mm-hmm. a mud storm. Mm-hmm. Um, or it, liquefaction. You ever heard of that? Yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah, with like earthquakes and stuff and things so literally So this wouldn't sink. have been that. 
because the nest would have been destroyed. The eggs wouldn't have been in their nest. Well, no, it's weird how it works sometimes. Like even delicate things like that can literally just almost sink. Right. I'm not saying that with the eggs. I'm saying the nest itself is made of mud from the surrounding area. Gotcha. Yeah. I so understand. the mud, the nest would have melted away. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it could have sunk in the mud and eventually turned to whatever what is there. I don't but know. But it's mud. That's okay. Anyways. That's okay. That's not what happened here. It was more of a, I think, not a volcanic explosion. I, I can't remember what they thought created this great fossil, like this great fossil preserve, mm-hmm. but it looks like, like a great flood almost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like a deluge. Well, and like even with that, you imagine, you know, waves or water washing over the area. And I just don't think that's even possible. Oh, no, I don't think it was water. Just this was like a big, mud thick flow. mud. See, yeah, and even if that, you think it would wash things away or wash it out. I don't think so. I'm like, you ever seen a mudslide? Yeah, I've seen a mudslide. So when we were in Honking, we had one, and it just kind of crawled over us. Really? Yeah, it wasn't like, it didn't push. Okay. But I, if you've I've just, seen some that like are scary. Oh, no, scary. There's, yeah, there's scary ones. This one was just like giant. It was still massive, mm-hmm. but it just kind of crawled over everything. Hmm. Uh, it, it wasn't pushing anything out of the way. Hmm. It just would go over it real gentle. So I think that's what they are. I think that's what they think happened here. Yeah. Because uh, they don't have many adults for this nest ground. So it's like the adults just kind of like, uh, I'm going to walk away. Well, you're going to go that way. I'm going to go to liquefaction way. Um. Okay. So, yeah, he's pretty big in this. He was Times Person of the Year in 1923. That's him. That's awesome. Uh, doesn't he look like a scary SOB? Yeah, he looks like someone I would not want to walk If he up was in on. a bar... Like, he looks like a godfather. Yeah, yeah. Like, he looks like a guy that's like, if you look at him too long, he will kill you. He almost looks like a, let me see that again. He almost looks like a, like, Putin mixed with, like, a grandpa. You just don't want to upset at family Christmas. So, yeah, he wrote several books on the trail of ancient men. Um, he raised, him and his wife raised a Tibetan bear. Oh, that's awesome. That's them with the cub. The mom was killed by poachers, and they just took this bear cub and raised it up to adulthood. That's they so cool. They had a pet Tibetan bear. That's so cool. Are they huge? Yeah, they're brown bears. Really? That's awesome. Uh, are those the ones they train in the circus over there in Russia? No. Okay. Tibet and Russia are a little bit of a distance away. That's true. Tibet's like Southeast Asia, right? Yeah. Okay. China's in between those two countries. Uh, but no, they're they're not they're not trainable bears. They just respected him. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so he kept finding all these eggs. Uh, he found amazing fossils. So let's get to his sighting. So I'm going to paraphrase this because basically the first time he ever seen it, he was in a mud flat digging up bones. So on the edge of this mud flat are these kind of middle ground habitats where it's not the hard mud that he's digging bones out of, mm-hmm. but it's not sand. Mm-hmm. So you got it's one of the few places you can find normal soil. Gotcha. Uh, and he sees this giant tail, well not giant, you know, maybe a foot, foot and a half long tail sticking out of the ground with three little spurts on it, mm-hmm. uh, so hair-like things. And he's looking at it, and he doesn't know what the heck it is. And that's impressive for him, because he's very confident in wildlife and stuff like that. Yeah. So he's looking at this, and then it picks up and dives into the ground and takes off. Hmm. And he's just like, yeah. Then I think it was, that was in two, that was in 22, 1922. Okay. And he didn't see it again until 1926, I believe. And he's seen it fully laying out in the middle of the, a rainstorm, just laying out, relaxing. And he got the full good length of it, very like corrugated, like a normal worm. Mm-hmm. Had jaws, or not jaws like us, but it had like fang like jaws, like a centipede. Uh, there's three hairs on the back, red in color, very heavy, thick skin. And then it just kind of seen him and then it went off. It didn't have eyes, but you did kind of see him and or sensed him. Yeah. And he went back into the ground. Yeah. So he did see it twice. Well, at least he got a full on description of it too out of the ground. But both the time the monster ran from him. Yeah, and doesn't that say something? Yeah. 
Maybe you're right. It did sense him. It's like, oh gosh, that's the guy that took the bear. <laughs> yeah, I'm almost steer clear of him. It's like, ah, my wife needs new pet. Come here. Yeah, that's what he got the he got the bear for his wife. Wow, wow. And he wasn't even scared. Like if it grew up to like murder them. Uh, no, that bear would be dead instantly. Wait, yeah, that's nuts. Uh, but no, he he is just a really neat man. Uh, but he's seen the Mongolia Deathworm twice. Mm-hmm. Both times, and he he kind of he didn't like talking about it because like, he was very much into a very serious man yeah. for his field and stuff like that. But he's like, yeah, I seen it twice, and that's pretty much all you'd ever. He'd tell you a little bit what he's seen, but I mean, that's pretty much all you'd ever talk about mm-hmm. for it. He just it wasn't his cup of tea, right? Yeah, probably because he didn't know anything about it. Yeah, well, he was yeah he was a superstar in the paleontological field, right? Yeah, uh, he just I don't know, so he just would mention it. So we're gonna get to Ivan uh, Mackerel. Uh, his sighting, so he's the one from the you know, Loch Ness Monster stuff. Yep. Um, he, he's the one that, yeah, I'm sure you've seen him on TV. He looks like a wizard. Maybe if I saw him. He looks like the wizard of Loch Ness. Okay. <laughs> looks like a wizard. He That's does. Funny. He looks like a wizard. <laughs> but he had a small group search for the worm in the desert. Inspired by Frank Herbert's novel, Dune, they made the rhythmic thumpers to lure the worm out. Ah, that's what so, I was Yep, yeah, yeah. He literally made, so the fictional sandworms in Dune were based off the Mongolian deathworm. So I don't get this train of thought personally, but he made the thumpers out of Dune yeah. to attract the creatures. <laughs> well, I'm sure um, being you know smaller, it just wouldn't make for as scary of a movie because you could just step on the thing uh, in but, a way. But if you touch it, you will die. With some heavy boots. Literally, everybody in Mongolia is like, uh, it's instant death. Yeah. You just need a hazmat suit and thick boots, but no, and you can punt it. I mean, people shot arrows at it, and then they died. That's weird. It's almost like supernatural parts of it. Like, it oh, will, really? If you, if you attack it, you will die. Hmm. The Mongolian death one will see to that. That's so weird. Uh, so, yeah, he made explorations in the desert. Uh, Merkel first read about the worm when he was a young boy, and stories uh, from Russian paleontologists were also seeing it. So Russian paleontologists were in the area, and they were seeing it mm-hmm. at the same time Roy was seeing it. Mm-hmm. And that's when Merkel uh, well, I was at way after, but he was a little boy. Um, it wrote, uh, he resembled it. He said he read that it resembled bloody intestines could grow into lengths of a small man and could mysteriously kill people from a great distance, probably with poison or electricity. Poor Mongolian villagers, I'm all over my words today, could only cover it in their yurts in fear. So they were, they would hide in their yurts, you know. Oh, yeah. And Mark Mark Mackerel said, I thought it was only science fiction. But when I was in university, I had a Mongolian student in our class. I asked him, uh, do you know what it is and the, you know, the native name for it? And I was writing for him to start. I was writing for him to start language, but he said he says that nothing. But I learned or but I leaned in like I had a secret. And he said, I know it in this very strange creature. So he had this kind of weird experience with this Mongolian student in one of his classes. Yeah. Uh, where he was like publicly, he was like, "No, it doesn't exist." But then he leaned in and tell you know told him, "Yes, I know. It's a very strange creature." Hmm. So basically, he goes out. He looks in 1992 and 2004. It's the other trips he did. So he did 90, 92, 2004. Didn't find nothing. Mm-hmm. So it just you know he didn't find anything, but he looked. But he also looked for other creatures. The Mongolian deathworm was not his like main one. Right. Okay. And here's a weird one I have. This is my last one for expeditions. Uh, Richard Friedman from the Center of Freudian Zoology. Uh, in 2005, he went out 
and they did an expedition, and they came up, up supposedly empty-handed. But I can't find any mention of this. Hmm. Like it's weird. Like like sites talk about it. Yeah. But I even go. You can go. The uh, Center for Freudian Zoology has a really nice website with all their expeditions in history. Mm-hmm. This one's not listed. I wonder why. And it's it's really weird. Was it buried? I don't know if that or if it was like a money pit and they really didn't get anything or they had trouble with it or there was like a scandal with it, you know. But you think at least that would be mentioned or something. Unless they just didn't release any of it. I don't I don't know. I, it's weird. I can't find nothing on it. That's really secondhand stuff. Basically, other people saying, yeah, they went on an expedition. They themselves do not claim it and they have all their expeditions listed. Hmm, that is strange. It's weird to me. It's very odd. Something is sticking out. Yeah, red flag. So I, I don't know if they found something. I don't know if like they lost somebody, as in somebody died on Ooh, the trip. Okay. And they just were like, okay, we gotta leave. Like this is like this isn't fun anymore. Yeah. Because they have, they pick uh, cryptids, like they pick like the trilocine. They pick you know ones that probably aren't gonna kill them. Right. Yeah. So if they lost, say they lost a member, and they just didn't want that whole public smear so they're just like well, let's drop it right because it might ruin their future endeavors yeah because they w- they still are going on expeditions mm-hmm. hmm. so i don't know it's just a weird one to me that they don't list it on their own website that's kind of strange too like how just so many people die from it especially from long distance that i can't figure out uh oh and then my i i was wrong i do have one more for you it doesn't i it's not a real one to me okay uh, but des- or so both destination truth which they, there you go, Josh, Josh Gates. Gates. They went and looked for it in 2006 and 2007. Uh, they got a picture of a cow. That's it. Yeah. Like, was the cow dead? No, just a cow. And that's it. Yeah. That's all they got turned over. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Uh, and then a New Zealand television entertainment reporter, David Ferrier, took part in an expedition in August 2009, and they came up empty-handed as well. Hmm. It's they went walking around the desert. Right, yeah, they went to the wrong spots, probably. I mean, it was a television reporter. Mm-hmm. It was nothing not, exciting. Not they were gonna actually find anything. Yeah, it was. It was. I Destiny Truth is a TV show, and they have mm-hmm. very limited time for stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a good reason why they probably didn't find anything. They had to move through it. It's the t- the the freaking news reporter that just walked around the desert with a camera, and yep. expecting the whole desert to be covered in worms. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Uh, that's what he was expecting. I really think yeah. he was like walking out there, like, "All right, I'll see the worms any minute now." Doesn't work like that. No. All right, so that's all my expeditions. Hmm. So it's it's had a fair crack at it, kinda. I think. Yeah. So the paleontologists, the old school paleontologists that were out in these areas for months, if not years, mm-hmm. were the ones that were seeing it often. Yeah. Uh, or well, semi often, you know. It seems like that's what it's going to take, though. You got to be out there for a long time yeah. to experience this. Yeah, and because I do think they're mostly living in the ground. I think they live in these transition areas between habitats. Mm-hmm. Um, some weird stuff before we move on to possible explanations. They're said to, to be blood red from either kill the animals they kill getting their blood on their skin and they get stained red. Mm. But it's also said when they reproduce, they kill a camel or a cow. And they lay their babies in the stomach of those animals, so their babies resemble the innards. Hmm, interesting. So they're not preyed upon by birds. Yeah, it makes sense. Huh. So you think you think like their skin isn't stained by the blood or whatever that animal? I don't that, think so. I think they're just red. They're just red from. It's like a defense mechanism. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I wonder if that fades over time. 
I don't know. Because didn't they say it just looks like intestines? I mean, is that pink, red, like an no, adult? Th- this thing's bright red. So sorry okay. if I never said that off the top. It's like fire truck red. Oh wow. Okay. Pretty much always. Tangent. Did I ever tell you about my pink ra- uh, cats? You dyed cats pink? No, they were born that way. Uh-uh. So, uh, well, they weren't really born that way. So our cat jumped up into our uh, uh, wheat seeds. You had stored over. We had you know over the winter up in the combine, and or the thing you pull behind the combine that stores them all. Yeah. And our cat jumped up there and had her kittens in there. And it was a white cat. And the kittens were born in the seeds. And they couldn't, she couldn't bring them down or anything. So they were up there until they were old enough to walk and pretty much old enough to jump down. Well, there was two of them that were snow white. But they lived in this their entire youth. And then one day I'm sitting in my house and out the back window, I just seen a pink, bright pink blur just dart by the back door. And I didn't know what it was at all. <laughs> it's bright pink. And then, so I went out looking for it. Finally, I found it. It was the, one of the kittens. It was bright, bright pink. I couldn't believe it. And it stayed that way for probably about a month. For about a month, it stayed that way and until its hair eventually grew out and it turned white again. But for about a month, we had these super bright pink kittens just running around the yard. It was nuts, but it was awesome at the same time. But it was just from the seed. The seed had that uh, powder or whatever it was. Yeah, I think it's yeah. to protect it over winter. Yeah. But that's all it was. But they were born in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. So let's get into some possible explanations. Large snakes. They so some of the reasoning is they use these scary stories to keep kids away from them. So it's a warning of an actual danger. Mm. Uh, so the spitting venom. There are, as far as I can tell, there's no spitting cobras in Mongolia, but there are in China. Ooh. So there could be relic populations of spitting cobras. Spitting cobras. That makes me laugh. But So that could really be a, a real-life thing with the venom shooting out. Yeah? Uh, and to warn kids to stay away from snakes. So funny thing is Japan has a very similar cryptid. It's this big, fat lizard with no legs. But it's bright red, and it spits venom. Hmm. So it's kind of a weird thing that both cultures have the same a similar cryptid. Yeah. Uh, but they both spit venom. So that's one thing that people kind of use is it's they just use to keep kids away from snakes makes sense uh sand boas sand boas yeah mongolia and russia are famous for sand boas they're literally big fat sausage snakes okay that live in the sand okay just poke their head out okay none of them are red they're all harmless they're the right size though okay uh so there could be a population out there that are red I don't know. You know, it's possible. But if they're har- if they're none of them are har- or all of them are harmless. They're literally real. They're real boas. They're actual bo- in the boa family, so they're harmless to yeah. us. I mean, they don't. They're. It's not a sand boa. But no. That's I, yeah, that's what I was getting at. Um, some kind of large skink or lizard. So blue tongue skinks get like really big, chunky, the really tiny little legs. Yeah, they're fat. Yeah. So imagine a bright red one, uh, a cousin. You know, that maybe assuming a burrower. It's popping out and just scaring people. Any of that spit venom? No. I didn't think harmless. so. That exactly. That's what I was thinking too. Here's one though. A large lakeless burrowing lizard. Okay. So some of the like Russia has giant uh giant legless lizards. They have huge ones. Mm-hmm. Uh that picture I showed you is a legless lizard. And they you seen they can get really chunky. Right, yeah. So it could just be with the folklore of seeing a creature that you don't see very often and be like, Oh, that's the devil. Yeah, stay away from it. It will kill you. What about actually a real big worm? Like a worm worm? Yeah. Hmm. I don't think it's that. Maybe it is. So I don't think it is. Let's look at some of the speculative biology where the tail or the head inflates and explodes and kills people with the venom that shoots out. Yeah, that's weird. But Or shooting venom. It sprays venom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just doesn't, you know, 
that's probably a defense mechanism. It's actually probably it's, it's either its tail that has like a poison sack in it, like a skunk s- uh, stinks yeah glands or but whatever. It's actually like death, po- poisonous or toxic. Yeah, yeah, just death. I could see that. Uh, so a worm would be a good candidate for that. Hmm. Uh, some kind of some kind of invertebrate wouldn't really be a vertebrate. Vertebrate biology is very locked in mm-hmm. per se. You know, so it's those kind of freaks really come out in more invertebrates than vertebrates. Okay. Uh, but not saying it can't be a an, an animal like a vertebrate. Okay. Um, it could just be folklore. Could be. And it's just people. They're not seeing anything, but I don't blame this one personally. But, you know, it could just be folklore, and it's just a folkloric thing. Like, people are out there seeing Wendigos here. You know, it's just... Yeah. And like we said earlier, it could be just a mix of both. Like, there's real a real oh, I, creature that created folklore, too. There's definitely mixes of both. Yeah. I ha- Now, I have, for you, my classic weird real animal. Oh, what is it? They're called velvet worms. Velvet worm. Okay. So they look like a centipede. Okay. But they're soft and squishy. Okay. Uh, they're actually they're a type of primitive. Uh, they're their own family group. They're super weird. Is it like a bobbit worm? No, not really. So they're completely soft. They're they're no exoskeletons. Okay. They're hydraulic worms. Okay. Uh, they have legs though, but they're really tiny. All running along the sides. Yeah. They're bright red. Most species. They spit venom at prey. Some species even shoot out their guts to entangle prey in them and suck them up. Hmm. But the biggest species is about a foot long. I've wanted one forever. Uh, they're extremely toxic. They're extremely toxic. If you touch them, you will die. Some okay. species. Wow. And you want one? It, yeah, as a showpiece. Yeah. But do you see all these similarities? I, I see a lot of similarities. Uh, so who's to say that this is not a rather large velvet worm that lives out in the Mongolian, the Go, or in the Gobi Desert? That we just don't see very often. Hmm. The legs are mostly under either in the ground when it's up, or you know they're just not paying attention to them. Right. Yeah. And it looks like a worm. It's they're segmented. They're, they they look just like big red worms. And if they're small little legs, you know you might not be close enough to they actually see them. Venom. They even shoot their guts, guts out. So they could look like they're exploding. exploding. I get you. I'm following it. If you touch them, you will die. Yeah. Oh, because they're so toxic. Yeah. Hmm. And so with electricity, that's one thing we haven't really touched on yet. Yeah. Uh, static charge is probably what's happening with that, or the ability to collect the static charge yeah. digging through the sand. Uh, digging through the sand, a lot of these creatures have to develop something to get rid of that static charge, hmm. or they'll die. Like, they'll just touch something one time, and then they'll Zapped. explode. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so it may be able to harness that ability of just using it as a kind of a defense mechanism. Hmm. Not a really hard shock. I don't... I can see it being kind. Like, if you have a heart problem, I definitely can see it being lethal. Uh, but most of the time, I think it's more of a warning of like, "Hey, back off." Yeah. So one uh, story I kind of skipped over was the dirt bike rider that they found just dead. Right. Yeah. Uh, he was on the trail. He was winning, and it looks like he took a break because this is like a three-day thing. Okay, like the Tour de France. Yeah. Going over the Mongolian desert. Yeah. And on a dirt bike. Interesting. And so it's like a three-day thing, and then they finally caught up to him, and he's in the middle of the trail, just laying there dead beside his bike. Hmm. And some people said it looked like he was, uh, his heart stopped, basically. So it looked like he had a heart attack. And some people said it was the electric shock of the Mongolian death worm. Mm. See, it's hard to say, though. I think he had a heart attack. He was probably he was drinking Monster for three days straight. Yeah. And <laughs> fell off his bike. <laughs> and just keeled over. No, he didn't fall off his bike. So he did He did prop up his bike, and he looked like he took a couple steps from his bike, and then he dropped dead. Mm. So, so some people it. said that he seen the death worm, got stopped. off, and looked at it and died. 
Mm. I mean, that is the MO. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at this thing, you will die. Which is weird. No, I really think it might be a velvet worm. Or some cousin or some assemblage of a velvet worm. They're a very old group. I mean, super old. They use, they have had some relatives become massive. I think our biggest velvet worms right now are maybe a foot long. Uh, Still pretty big. Yeah. Japan has several very dangerous species of them. Hmm. Uh, yeah. they're, they're all endangered in Japan. Yeah. Uh, so they it. that's why I think that people are looking in the wrong areas for the death worm. I think they specifically go out in the desert parts and look for it where where they probably will not be. Yeah. I think they're I think they're either the transition habitat areas cuz that's where the most prey is going to be. Is yeah. in these areas that meet er- other areas. Um but you you mentioned the tail something earlier. You think that's how it breathes? So that is a possibility. When it's underground, a lot of insects or invertebrates have these like little basically tubes to breathe out of the their back ends. Is it is it like a common quality or in nature? It, it pops up a lot in invertebrates. It's okay. been separately evolved many times. In the worm family? Uh, I can't think of any worms that use it, but velvet worms aren't worms. Oh, okay. What are they then? They're their own group. Okay. And I can't think of them having it either, but I don't know that for a fact. They're, we don't know a lot about them because most of the species that are left are endangered. And very toxic yeah. and deadly. I mean, they're not fast. I mean, they're fast, but they're not like... Still, it's not something you want to walk up on. Yeah, some of most of them, are, a lot of them are harmless too. Like you can pick up some species. Oh, okay. But some of them are just like clearly, I know nothing about this velvet worm. They're neat. You should look up a picture. Ooh, yeah, maybe I will. Uh, they're very, they're very cool animals. But the yeah, these tubercles on the back end could be used for breathing while while submerged in the soil for long periods of time. Yeah, that's what I was wondering too. You think it does live in like some sort of water a little bit? Now it could, and the, there's plenty of wetlands. Right, so exactly. I, there could be a part of it. In another thing, this could be a part of something's life cycle out there. Oh. Where we're just seeing the larval version. Yeah. Oh, okay. But then what would the adult be? I have no idea. There's tons of Mongolian monsters. Okay, I'm looking at this velvet worm. Looks pretty interesting. What one? Let me see the picture you're looking at. Yeah, see? That's your Mongolian death worm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's bright red. I mean, they are bright red. They look like guts, don't they? Yeah, they do. And it shoots its intestines at you, and it shoots venom, and they do have a hell of a bite with some venom. Yeah. So, what is uh, does this thing? Uh, is there any accounts of them actually biting people? Oh, yeah. And the, they, no, there's accounts of them jumping up, ripping the gut out of a camel. Okay, that's pretty serious. No, they're aggressive. Yeah, they're, they're super aggressive carnivores. Okay. Uh, now, there was one. I, several witnesses basically seen this one swim up like a shark, jump out of the soil. Bite a camel, and when it pulled down, it just took all of its guts with it. Jeez. And the camel just kind of dropped. Well, yeah, I think I would too. Dang. Here's a what if what if it's a uh, like a an eel? What if it's some type of land eel? I don't think it is. Okay. But I mean, you go ahead and tell I, me. I don't know the jaws, the bite, um, the electricity. No, not eels don't have any of that. They don't have electric eels. Don't have an electric shock. Electric eels aren't eels. Oh well, ball. They come on. You got to be so technical. I, they're not eels. Then what are they? They're knife fish. Oh, they're fish. Eels okay. are fish too, but night. They're electric eels are from the knife fish family. Hmm. So it's a it's a fish. Yeah. It could be a fish. No, the Mongolian deathworm could be a fish. We'll explain. Go ahead. Like, like a mud puppy. You know how they can walk on land. Yeah, in, in, on mud flats in the ocean. See, but now these are like in the desert, <laughs> the swamp. The swamp areas. Five percent is only sand. That's why they're not there. 
You what'd you say? What'd you say a lot at I the know, beginning? But what'd just, you say in the beginning about the the land there? A lot how of much it of it is scrub land? How much the you say water it covers you it and is it underground? First. I'll tell you that nobody's had that thought ever. It's a fish. It's a land fish. That is a very unique thought. It could be. It could be swimming in the waters underground. Then it pops up and it's like, I don't know, <laughs> shoots poison at you. Poison death fish, Mongolian death worm. It's a very Emily thought. Can't count anything out, especially in Mongolia. Especially in Mongolia. No, so what do you think? Though, What do you really think it is before we wrap this up here in a second? I can't stick with fish. Hey, you can stick no. it with fish, but what do, you, what do you think the most likely culprit is? I don't know for sure. I mean, a worm makes sense but because it, it's in the name, too. I mean, but almost do... I'm I'm stuck somewhere between some kind of snake or lizard, legless lizard. Mm-hmm. I could see that, but I, it just doesn't have those qualities either. So I don't know. It's just something weird. I wonder if it is something supernatural too, kind of. And I don't see a lot of accounts with it being supernatural. Like there's not any of the weird stuff we get with our supernatural cryptids or yeah. our alien cryptids. You know, there's... Ooh, alien. I'm not from here. See, I don't think it is. So I think it is from here because biologically it makes sense. I think it's exaggerated heavily. Yeah. Like a lot of these other monsters are. Hmm. Uh, but I do think it's a. I personally, I'm going velvet worm or a cousin or an assemblage of something close to a velvet worm. Are bobbit worms in that family? No. Okay. I know they're. Aquatic. I think bobbit worms are true. I think they might be true worms or feathered worms. Okay. Because those are pretty creepy too. Like they come and up they out of the. Nasty jaws. Yeah. Really toxic venom. Yeah. I mean. So yeah, we have all kinds of worms that don't have to fit the worm group. Like right. when you think of worm, I know. there are worms that are literally nightmare rainbows. Right. Yeah, and then and then you got the other end, the night crawlers that yeah. are just do nothing to you. Like yeah, bobbit worms are literally rainbow colored nightmares. Yeah, exactly. I found one once. Mm-hmm. Didn't know till I asked you, and you said, "Do not touch that. It will bite you, and it will not be pretty." Yeah, thank goodness. Uh, but yeah, so I'm going. I'm going velvet worm. Velvet worm. I would say, yeah, some type of worm family or something like that, but I don't know. It's hard to put my finger on it. Um, Before we end, I will give you some entertainment stuff with this cryptid. So it was the main antagonists in the Tremor series called Graboids were based off the death worm. Mm. Even though they were like, they blew it up big time, but... Oh, yeah. But still, it's just as scary. No, the Graboids are a hundred times scarier. Not when you're out in the Gobi Desert. You tell me the same thing. Yeah, because I can walk away from the Mongolian death worm and be okay. <laughs> I just got to not touch it. Right, yeah. Uh, the Graboid's coming for you as it eats the it eats your house apart to get to you. Right, exactly. Yeah, okay, I guess that is pretty You're talking scary. about a predator the size of a train. Well, I got Kevin Bacon to protect me. Only in like the first one or two movies. Or no, he's even like one and three. They're like a Graboid 7 now. Are they really? Yeah, Tremor 7. Dang. Uh, the death worm ma- did make an appearance on Lost Tapes. Where they packed the the basically this death worm attacked a couple ATV riders and that was based off the story I told you about the dirt, dirt bike, bike rider. Guy. Yeah. In 2010, a sci-fi original movie called Mongolian Death Worm, where the worms are seen as gigantic slug-like creatures with extendable jaws and are able to climb walls. These worms in the movie, or this worms in the movie, do not have the ability to shock or spit acid, unlike traditional legends say. Mm. So that's what I have for you. Oh, and they're. Uh, Death worms in Ark. They're they they're in Ark. Survival evolved. Oh really? Yeah, in the Scorched Earth DLC. Oh, okay, I, I was gonna say I haven't played that one. I, yeah. was, I played a lot of Ark. They're the they're the Giganotosaurus of the Scorched Earth. Are they huge in that? Yeah. Oh gosh, they're like 
like they when they stand out of the ground, they're like uh, I think they're ninety feet tall. Oh, good lord! And then the rest of them's underground. Yeah, screw that. They can like they can like two shot a T Rex. Oh, okay, I was gonna say, can you tame them? I think with mods, I don't think you can traditionally tame them. Okay, so they're just big like creatures, like the you yeah. gotta fight. And but kill. you need them. You need them to. Was it? I think you need them to tame the dragons in that one. Oh, okay. Because yeah, you need their horns. I didn't even know that game had like a plot or anything when I first started playing it. I just thought it's, you just so live. That is the Mongolian deathworm. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's let's do it. Do you think it's real? Yes. Do you think it's a flesh and blood creature? Yes. Do you think it's? What do you think it is? Well, we already kind of covered. I know, but just tell me one, I don't know. one word real quick. Some worm, kind of some worm, kind of worm, worm lizard snake. I think it's hybrid. real. I believe most of the encounters the Mongolians had. I do believe most of the paleontological encounters. Uh, I think I, I do think it's. I just believe it. It's it's a cryptid that I think is still out there, and I don't think they're endangered because of where it is. I just think they're hard to study. Right. Yeah. Um, I do think they're flesh and blood. I do not think there are any supernatural aspects to them, mm-hmm. and I think they are some kind of assemblage of a velvet worm. Hmm. That's definitely. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. Very specific. I have been. The great and powerful Mr. E. And I've been high energy Jabe. Try to be. <laughs> and together we were Crips of the Corn Podcast. Thank you guys for joining us on this Mongolian themed episode. We're the, uh, the good sumo wrestlers over there, right? Oh, th- Mongolia produces some amazing sumo wrestlers because they have a, a big wrestling culture there. So catch us on Patreon, catch us on Facebook, catch us on Instagram, YouTube. Uh, check out our website. There's some blog posts on there with Ooh. like creature feature spotlights. Oh yeah, we didn't mention that at the top of the show. The new mm. website. Yep. We got a website, folks. Come check us. Come check us out. Leave us a five star review and a comment, or you know, we'll read them on air if you leave a nice comment. <laughs> uh, I probably can't read the bad ones, just because I'm my self esteem. All right, <laughs> one, two, three. Bye. 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 You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.